The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. We took some fire one time, and we had uh, several casualties, and I was working on... One, an Iraqi came up behind me and he pulled the trigger. It clicked out of ammo. So Abraham came through and took that threat away. So I wasn't told this for a while. And then we were sitting around one, one night. One of the guys said, oh, so Abraham saved your life. But you're happy about that. What are you talking about? And then I found out and I looked over at him. I was like, hey, high five, brother. Thanks. Are you ready? From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. This is our f***ing Hello, everyone. This is Dave, and welcome to the Boston Podcast. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you like it, share it with a friend, and uh, our numbers are great. We're up over like 65,000 downloads for this podcast, so you people either love us or you just have way too much time on your hands, but do me a favor and share this podcast with others if you like it. We have a great guest today from Easter Seals, the Veterans Program Coordinator, a gentleman by the name of Adam Costello is here. Adam, welcome. Hey, thank you. Thank you so much. Welcome to the show. He is uh, an Army veteran himself, and he's going to tell you everything that he does for veterans over at Easter Seals. Um, I'm a, I am recently joined the, I guess it's not that recent anymore, but it's, uh, at least a year has gone by, I joined the board of Easter Seals and just met some really cool people. We had um, your friend Paul Medeiros on the show mm-hmm. earlier, and it's your job to do better than he does. All right. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> Before we get started, and by the way, we have a great a uh, couple great stories Adam's going to tell us he hasn't even realized, and then I want to know why he's jumping out of airplanes, because I have a video clip of him jumping out of an airplane. That's a teaser for you, kids. First, let me tell you about the U.S. Postal Service, the second largest employer in the nation. Opportunities uh, to work for the post office can be accessed at usps.com slash careers. By the way, they're hiring for the holiday season, 18 bucks an hour for seasonal work. Through, no, through uh, January 3rd, please apply, usps.com slash careers. Or for for, further info, you can email us, not us, you can email the U.S. Postal Service. I'm sorry, it's still this is the first podcast of the day, folks. So sometimes, you know, I need a little running room. I need to get rolling. So my apologies, U.S. Postal Service. Email them at greaterbostonhiring at usps.gov with any questions. U.S. Postal Service, deliver for the nation. How appropriate that I have you here. Adam, who um, I'm I'm certain that you are proud of your country. It's kind of like Captain Obvious over here. But every time I do something on the behalf of the U.S. Postal Service, I'm a little a little proud, you know. Yeah, you know, it's an amazing service. Uh, You know, where do you where do you drop a letter in the mail and then have it show up somewhere else in the world? Uh, How do you even keep that organized? It remains amazing as it was back in whenever they started doing that. Yeah, and it still only costs the the cost of a stamp, which I'm embarrassed to say I don't even know what the cost of a stamp is now, but um, I'm sure it's quite reasonable. Yeah, I think it's 38 cents. Still just just 38? I I think so. Okay. Um, And what a bargain. Come on. U.S. Postal Service, thank you. So, Adam, um, you've been at the job for a couple years now, I think you said, or in this position, I should say, for a couple years. Yeah, so I, I, before Easter Seals, I was working for a a small tech company in Worcester, and then... um, uh, I saw an advertisement in the paper. I wasn't really happy with the tech job. It was it was fine. It was a great job. What kind of things were you doing? Uh, it was running the commercial operations. Okay. Right? So um, they had a they had a lot of uh, technicians out there, and they would provide third party uh, services to small companies that you know really wouldn't make sense for them to have their own IT person on staff. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were great at uh, fixing computers and networks and, and, and things, but not as good on the organizational side. So they, they brought me in. We were able to set up some some routes and some good uh, standard practices. Mm-hmm. And then after that, there was a lot of thumb twiddling. Yeah, you know? um, as will happen, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. so uh, so I started getting curious, and I was looking around, and, and veteran services was always uh, – uh, passion of mine, whether it's, you know, as uh, as employment or just uh, volunteer work. Uh, right. Um, and I saw Easter so since, Seals. Sorry, yeah. sorry to yeah. jump in, but it's what I do, I guess. Tell me when you served in the Army, What about what what frame of your life there, what years? Yeah, that was 2005 through 2012. 
it says here, uh, armored vehicle crew member and a medic. Yes. Okay. Wow. You're a good person to know. I'm glad you're here in case I ever, you know, um, suffer some malady here in the studio, which you never know. Um, so I'm sorry. So um, you had volunteered since, since uh, 2012, I take it you'd been involved in certain veteran stuff. You're volunteering and things like that in addition to your day job. Right. Yeah. Right. So, um, you know, uh, uh, right after I get home from service, I found out about all the benefits and programs that were out there. I went to take advantage of them, but none of them really fit um, me, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. when I went through. So a lot of a lot of these programs, you know, have been around since probably the mid-80s, um, and they've fallen into the, uh, the kind of a framework. And I think you're seeing a lot of changes happening now um, over the past five years or so. But um, fall into the framework in that post-Vietnam uh, demographic, mm-hmm. right? And then the post 9-11 experience, the Gulf War experience was uh, very different from that time, from the early 80s into present day. How so? Well, um, one, the draft is gone. Right? Of course. So, yeah. um, everybody who's going through there now is uh, strictly a volunteer. Now, there are about two-thirds of the Vietnam generation was volunteer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now we have uh, a strictly volunteer force, and when we're overseas – the expectations are, are slightly different. So there's no going into, if you're over in Iraq, uh, I spent my time over in Iraq. If you go over to Iraq, you don't go over to Tikrit on time. There's no safe spot. You stay on base. Right. There's no drinking. There's no... Um, R&R. R&R. There's, so much. Yeah, no. There's, there's no naked magazines. Right, there, right. There, there's, a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of no, no alcohol. Not all um, the things that the movies taught us about Vietnam, which was a right. different experience. Not that not that it was so pleasurable for so many, but oh right, no, I right, mean, Vietnam was yeah. was its own experience, right? You know, right. Um, so very austere life in, in the Middle East. Yes. I, I mean, I remember seeing this is, and my apologies, I'm not going to ask you a lot of questions. I don't know. It's, I feel like I don't know. It's enough enough about as as I should about what our soldiers do overseas. But I did see um, Louis C.K. did a special where it was an edition of his show called Louis. This is years ago before he got into that little trouble. Um, but he, he went to Iraq with um, uh, one other artist, like a guitar player, a country guy whose name I probably should know. And so it was kind of half reality, half his show, but they were on an actual base. Mm-hmm. And he was stru- the first thing he was struck by was, was, was sort of what you were alluding to, how, how sort of barren and austere and just um, simple. And it, it seemed just kind of isolating, frankly. And uh, he painted the picture, but it was, all, it was a really nice thank you to those who were, were over there serving. Yeah, and... We had several celebrities come over and visit visit us while I was overseas. I never got to see one. Um, I was always out. <laughs> no fair. <laughs> and, yeah, um, right. uh, we would come back and we'd hear that so and so is somewhere in you know Tim McGraw or yeah. you know uh, the country musicians would be over there quite a bit. Uh, the comedians would come over quite a bit mm-hmm. um, and and do their shows, but. What, timing or or whatever, um, I was never there to see one. I think I got to meet. Or I think I had the opportunity to meet one, and I don't even remember who it was. And I just said, you know, I'd rather go to sleep because I'm really, really tired. <laughs> That's how tired you must have been. I'm sure. I'm sure. So I get is what you're getting at. Like, 100 um, percent volunteers. Obviously, no draft. Were were many, and were you? I guess inspired to enlist at, at post 9/11. Was it was a part of it? Is that? Yeah, for me, um, when 9-11 happened, I I think everybody had the urge to run down and and, uh, help in some way. Mm -hmm. You know, some people wanted to give blood. Some people wanted to go to New York. They were actually holding people back from the 9-11 site because so many people were trying to help. Yeah. Um, Another whole group was trying to enlist in the military, fire department, you know, some way, some way to give back to say, well, this, this terrible thing just happened. What am I going to do about it? You know, and everybody had their own answer to that. Um, For me, I I think I did, I had no plans of military service. My family has no history of military service. Um, And I was more of that one that said, well, I want to give blood and I want to do some volunteer work. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, uh, you know, this will be a quick war, just like the first Gulf War. You know? yeah, and, yeah. and that was the expectation. And it was probably three or four years later. Now, at that time, you would see on the news um, 
casualty reports coming in. There'd be updates on on the war going on, different battles that were being fought. And uh, um, I kept watching that, and then they kept saying, well, recruiting levels are down, recruiting levels are down, recruiting right. levels are down. So I was married. I had two children. Um, you know, I looked over at my wife, and I said, uh, you know, I think I can – I think I can probably do that. Let me see what the shortest time I can go in for is. And they said, you know, three oh, years. And I said, I th- I'm going to go do that. And she says, are you serious? You know? And, well, that's uh, what I'd be saying. Too. <laughs> <laughs> so you get, yeah, I'm sorry, you said you had kids. Yep, kids. So yep. the kids are what age? Uh, at that time? Yep. Uh, it was Little? Uh, three, three and five. Okay. Three and and five. so you say, my country means this much to me. I'm going away for three years. Yeah, and the and the mindset was, you know, and mine and a lot of the same people that I served with was, you know, if we can't stop it over there, then we're going to have to stop it over here. And, mm-hmm. that, you know, that's the way we were looking at it. That's the way I was looking at it. Um, so I made the choice. And uh, and she was supportive, hesitant, but supportive. Yeah, and, I can uh, imagine. And so, yeah, and so. Um, and that's, that, that, that strikes me as amazing. I don't know. I mean, obviously, I believe you. You did it after all. But um, having no, what was the in your gut that told you this was the right thing to do, especially given that your family didn't have a history of military? Well, it was just something that I felt that I could do. I was always kind of attracted to it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It never really seemed to fit, and there was never that purpose to it, you know, right. in my lifetime. Um, you know, to go somewhere just to be prepared for something, um, rather go somewhere because there's something right there that mm-hmm. needs to be done. And you witnessed it, whether on television or in person, you know, you witnessed this happen to the country. Um, what do you do about it? And, yeah. Uh, I mean, we don't need to recap the whole thing, but certainly one of the most shocking moments of our, and I'm guessing we're roughly same generation. Adam, you're probably younger than me. Everybody else seems to be, but, but, um, <laughs> but, yeah, just, I mean, if, you know, Vietnam defined a certain generation, 9-11, I think, defined ours. I just, it just you know, I have those memories standing around the TV just in silence with all these people that I worked with and just not knowing what to say. Yeah, yeah, and, it, and it's tough because whenever we're faced with something, you know, some sort of a, a challenge, you know, we want to do something about it. And the hard part is, what do you do? You know, mm-hmm. do you... Um, sit back, you hope somebody else takes care of it, or do you go out and you do what you think is the right thing to do? And mm-hmm. then, um, I mean, those are choices that we make every day. Mm-hmm. And this one just happened to take me away for several years. You know? mm-hmm. So this, um, so now fast forward to, <laughs> well, I mean, we can talk about your, certainly your time overseas. Were you in Iraq the, for your entire time of your service? Or? No, it was, it was a, it was a bizarre enlistment um, overall. So, I went in as a tanker uh, to be an armor crew member, and mm. then at the same time, the Army was fielding out uh, strikers, different versions of strikers, which is an eight-wheeled uh, armored vehicle. Mm-hmm. And you had some that were infantry carrier vehicles. You had some that were medical evacuation vehicles. But you had one that was um, it was called an MGS, a mobile gun system, and it mm-hmm. was a striker with a 105-millimeter uh, cannon basically on it. Uh, that used the same targeting system as the Abrams tank. Mm-hmm. And so they took some of us aside and they said, would you like to work on the striker instead of the tank? I said, right. oh, that's something new. Okay, yeah, let's do that. And then um, so uh, I trained up on that after learning uh, the Abrams, and then uh, I, I learned that vehicle. And then we get another opportunity that said, do you want to be a human research volunteer? Mm-hmm. at Natick Labs in Massachusetts. And I said, yeah, that's yep. close to home. Let me, yeah, let me do sure. that. And so my drill sergeants were like, you don't want to be a human research volunteer. And I was like, ah, I want to try it. I want to see what it is. You know, it's right. it it like an hour away from my house, you know? So, yeah. um, so I did that for about three months. And, and that's a military facility there? In, it in it is. Yeah. Okay. And, and can you, are you allowed to tell us what oh, sure. happened? <laughs> sure. You ever see Captain America? No. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, as you know, Adam flew over to the studio this morning somehow. Yeah, <laughs> without the use of a device. Go ahead. But uh, they uh, so they test um, at least in, in my experiences there. We were there to test a lot of equipment. So um, different configurations of body armor put different stresses on your body. They maintain different amounts of heat. Um, and so, you know, one of the examples would be going to a a uh, 
room with these large treadmills on it and you you swallow a pill that monitors your vitals and and things Mm -hmm. and then they attach a grounding wire to you and then you put on after two weeks of acclimation i think it was two weeks of acclimation you uh walk with these different configurations of body armor on it to basically see how long you can go before you pass out oh my god it sounds terrible so so and that's in in heat do they replicate like the heat well they did that in heat there's a hypothermia study that they do altitude study you know so and i don't know if they do not i was a while back but um that was 2005 but um i mean you're allowed to stop if it gets unbearable or what? Oh, they tell you um, yeah. because they're monitoring you. If you look like you're on the verge of collapse, I, I think this is how it works. Not the scientist, um, right? Um, they'll come out, but it was it was fun because you wanted to make it the entire time, whatever that duration was. I right? Forget, but you could watch like three movies or something during that time. Okay. But, um, so wait, you're watching a movie while you're are you yeah. walking around in this arm, or are you just kind of sitting there? No, you're walking. You're, you're walking you're, around. You're okay. walking on this uh, okay. uh, slow moving treadmill. Treadmill. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, God, you describe it as fun. Yeah. To me, it doesn't sound that much fun. Well, well, it depends on what the movie is. The fun part about that <laughs> duty is, unlike anything else, uh, after you finish the study, you get an equal amount of time of recovery, right? So oh, nice. if that takes two weeks, three weeks, then you get three weeks of what's called light duty where you really can't work. Maybe you'll sweep up a little bit, but for the most part, you're just chilling. You right, know? yeah. And, uh, and um, that's not the usual army. You know, the regular army is... You do this thing that's really terrible, and then you go back and you do something else that's really hard and terrible. Yeah, you know? yeah, so, yeah um, right. Uh, no, that was that was really nice. I wow, would have stayed there if I could have. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, but then eventually I got my orders. Now, would, if I drove by this place in Natick, would I recognize it, or is it like secret? No, no, it's right there. Um, there there's a big sign out in the front. Oh, really? Okay, all right. Uh, probably mm. wouldn't be able to tell what they do in there. It's very small. You know, okay, it's very small. But um, yeah, it's it's a cool place. It really is. I had a blast there. I thought it was a good time. Well, it's, <laughs> I mean, you're, you're basically volunteering to test the limits of your body's comfort and sustainability or whatever. But so you're brave, but I gl- I'm glad you thought it was fun. It's just very interesting <laughs> to me that they, and so the, the other, I'm sure they do other things there. They didn't, they didn't shoot bullets at you wearing bulletproof garb or anything like that. No, right? no. And they do, um, they do, I believe, uh, different types of parachute testing there. Uh, there's different types of equipment that they, they work on. Um, and one of the cool things that we would do on our recovery time was uh, taste test MREs, right? So what's an MRE? Oh, it's um, uh, MREs is called it's meals meals ready to eat. Oh, okay. It's, those are the portable uh, meals that you take out with you on your right. missions and stuff. And um, one of those tests was a tobacco a Tabasco sauce test. You know? <laughs> so. And you're supposed to compare one to another, to another, to another. Well, after the first one, you can't, you know, who knows? Your tongue is numb. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. And so we're sitting there drinking, like, we're taking shots of Tabasco sauce. I I have no idea what the second one tastes like. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, it was a good time. That... It's uh, it's kind of nice that we provide our soldiers with Tabasco sauce. I would have thought that would have been a luxury, but okay. And and you got the no. test. Of, wow, what a funny! <laughs> it's one of those moments. You, everybody has moments in their career when they say, "How did I get here? I'm being paid to to chug Tabasco and tell them what I think." Oh, it's yeah. great. Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah. So continue the story, please. We're we're working our way up to Easter Seals here. Oh yeah. So yeah. now I'm so now I'm trained on the Abrams. I'm trained on the Striker, and I've been a human. Uh, research volunteer <laughs> right, right so right. um now i go to my duty station which was uh schofield barracks hawaii i'm assigned to 127 infantry and then uh we do a lot of our train up i did a gunnery on the striker uh it was the first one that has ever happened out there and that's um hawaii you know uh so we do that and that's where you go when you shoot targets and, and different things but with this 105 millimeter uh, uh barrel yep and um and then uh, we're going to get ready for our deployment, our first deployment in 2007. And I go to the, uh, you know, when you before you do that, you need to have your eyes checked, you need to have you know, a physical, you need to have your ears checked and all that. And they said, well, you lost some, some minor hearing, but you can no longer be a combat soldier. Mm. So I said, well, what? you know, I just, this has been such a long journey, yeah. you know, to this point. Yeah. Um, and now you're telling me that I can't deploy. Wait, yeah. do, I, I'm sorry if I missed that. Do you know how you lost the, the hearing or how? Uh, I'm sure it was on a range or, or yep. things. Right now there's a big lawsuit going on against 3M because they found out that hearing protection wasn't working. Really? Um, didn't work the way it was supposed to. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, 
So it's probably one of the most common disabilities that you find among soldiers you know, today, claimed disabilities. Wow. Yeah. And, um, and so, they, well, you lost some hearing. You are now in H2, which is uh, H1 is what you want. H2 mm-hmm. is no good, right? So um, I said, you can't deploy as a combat soldier. So I said, well, you know, I was, I was really bummed out because that was the whole thing. But I said, well, at this point, you know, I have another year and then I'll be home. I give it my best shot. Right. You know, and then uh, I get the call from our battalion uh, and our sergeant majors uh, says, well, they said, sergeant major wants to see you right now. And I walk into this room and there's a sergeant major and the first sergeant and that's your leadership. Right? Yeah. And he says, well, you can't deploy as a, as a, as a tanker. Soldier. We can't have you as an infantryman. He's like, do you want to be a medic? <laughs> was like uh, out of the blue, huh? Yeah, he's like, I'm like, I don't know. You don't have, you uh, didn't have, have a any, medical background. Training, no, right? okay. He says, well, you took combat lifesaver, right? Which is your basic trauma level. Yeah. Care. And I yeah. said, uh, yeah, he says, well, you did good in that. He's like, come on, go, go be a medic. We can take you with us. In other words, right? we need right? a medic right. and right. you're the next guy up or whatever. Right. Yeah. right. And so yeah. I was like, yeah, Roger, sorry, major. So he's like, all right. All right. So you're deploying with us. Right. Wow. So I deployed as a medic with no training. Right? Now so. you had, you had, in your head, you were ready and willing to go overseas and possibly into combat. Yeah. The, okay. the, the way I thought it was going to work. And the way I think it was probably intended to work was I would go over there under the designation of medic just so we weren't short, but I would actually do my other job. Okay. You know, and I think that was the intent. So you're armed. Right. Yeah. Okay. Right. You're not just, okay. And so then that changed real quick. And then, um, really? um, so brigade, which is above battalion said, mm-hmm. no, you can't, if he's a medic, he has to be a medic, you know, and then, uh, just a medic. Yeah. Right. So, um, so that became kind of a big deal, um, and they ended up flying me over to Balad while we we're in Iraq mm-hmm. to take an EMT course. And they said, "Okay, you have you have two weeks to prepare for this EMT course. You have to pass it. Mm-hmm. If you pass it, uh, you can be a medic." Right? I said, "Okay." So, so um, I'm going through the. EMT what if you fail? EMT they books. send you home. No, no. Uh, if they fail, oh, if, if they fail, if I, you fail. You don't know. I'm sure I would have been on radio guard, you know, which is okay. basically just working in the headquarters and answering the answering the radio and mm-hmm. sending messages back and forth or something that didn't require um, an actual certification MOS, you know. Um, right. And so they, uh, you know, I go over there and then I ended up scoring and uh, I think it was like a 98 or something like that. That sounds pretty good. Uh, that was yeah. really good. <laughs> and then they sent me to medic combat testing. Um in the same place, and that was three days, I think it was, and I was making sure you could carry somebody over a distance and put on tourniquets and bandage properly and things like that. And that was easy. You know, that was part mm-hmm. of my regular training. So um, so I go back, and they say, okay, well, you can stay now. You know? and, then, uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and so uh, I went out as a medic with the understanding that I'm still missing a lot of information, you mm-hmm. know. And so our physician's assistant took me under his wing, and over the next uh, few months, you know, I've treated uh, amputees, bullet wounds, things, things along the, those lines. And then uh, uh, Big Army called up our battalion again and said, he can't be a medic if he hasn't gone through his uh, field problem, which is like a, a scenario that you do after basic training mm-hmm. that's in the woods and, you know, you, you, you treat like uh, pretend wounds and stuff right and it's like uh it's like a drill to, right. to, to that simulate what you'd be doing out there in the field yeah yeah and so our colonel ended up getting to a big argument with somebody in big army and said he's done all the stuff for real now you know yep. um i don't see what the point is and so then i get a little memo i still have it at home that says congratulations you're you're now a 68 whiskey you know whatever yeah it was yeah and uh i was like wow that's such a terrible idea, but I'm going with it. You know, here yeah. I am. Here so I am. you're you're a little scared, I take it. I mean, I would be. Were, were you concerned that just simply that you you weren't properly trained, or? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, of course. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So trauma, and trauma, uh, I think for me was was relatively easy as long as you have good coordination, uh, and you um, don't get too stressed under the pressure you're you're okay with that immediate trauma so that was a good fit so the i know what the word trauma means but in military parlance that means that's a certain kind of treatment tell us what that means yeah so that would just be um you know a uh, uh, bullet wound a uh, broken limb uh, amputation 
Yeah. Well, the, a significant burn. Okay. You know. Those are all really bad things. Those are all, yeah, those, <laughs> those are all bad things. Okay, but And you're treating these people, you're the, like the first line right, of treatment for these right. people? But wow, being, being the first line of treatment. And yeah. by that time, since my PA uh, held me so tightly at the beginning, uh, you know, he showed me a lot of the more advanced stuff as we were going through it. And he was a very, he was um, very adamant that I did all of these things myself, you know? Yeah. And so he would stand and he would give me directions and tell me, stop, no, go do it like this and, and do it like, but I had to do it, you know? Right. Um, and this is, uh, this is, this is for real. You're in, this you're is, in, this you're in, Iraq. what, what city are you in or near? Uh, or this was, this was in Taji. So we're operating okay. out of Taji on this one. And then, um, and then I learned just so much over that, over the course of that deployment, I saw so much and I was able to do so much over the course of that deployment that it was, um, uh, eye opening, I think. To so the I don't want to, I don't want to bring back bad memories for you. So please, oh, please yeah. tell me if you'd rather not uh, talk about it, but. I mean, the first time you get out there, you're treating uh, a wounded American soldier mm -hmm. or, okay. And were you, how was that in terms of being able to stomach that right away? I mean, you're, you don't like, you don't have a me medical background. You're out there, you're, you're sort of trained, yeah. <laughs> right? And I know, I, and as you said, you have your, your a superior officer kind of shadowing you, but still, what was it like? Yeah, uh, it was fine. Uh, and it was one of those things where, you see some people really crack under the pressure, you know, on, on yeah, the first Yeah, I can time. imagine. Of course. Um, some people really, you think that they're going to be fantastic that first time, and then something happens, and they're just not, you know. And for whatever reason it was, it wasn't a difficult thing for me. You're um, wired. You're just wired I'm that just way. just wired that yeah. way. Yeah. And so when... Um, uh, you know, the first time I saw someone now that was different than the first, first death, which was on my second point, you okay. know, uh, yeah. but the first time, uh, uh, I had casualties, it really was, you're not really concentrating on the person or the feelings or, or the things you, you right. just, this is what I do. You know, you, you need to uh, separate. Yeah. The, right. the fact that this is a human who is about to depart this earth. You're like, this is my job. Right. ABC is the person alive. If not, uh, I mean, I obviously, exactly. there's a way yeah. to go there. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So you just follow the steps. Um, you do what you're supposed to do. You try to keep the person calm, but whether they're calm or not, you know, it's, you still have your job to do because in the end of the day, you want them to be home safe. You know? Right. Um, and you're treating primarily American soldiers or also... Um, oh, it's a, mix, a mixed bag, yeah. Um, yeah. Civilians, Iraqi civilians? Yeah, civilians. Yeah. Um, I don't think I've ever treated Iraqi military, uh, but yeah. uh, civilians, uh, children were uh, were a big one. Um, and are you, are you are you worried about your own safety of to cut to the chase of getting oh, of shot course. while you're treating people? Of course. So, and yeah. were, there, were there close calls? Yeah, there was... Um, and I didn't even recognize it. So on our second deployment, now I'm a senior medic. Now I'm all trained and everything is right. normal. And then uh, um, I have my my group of medics that divide among the infantry uh, platoons and, and we all go out there. And so I was always trying to get on what was expected to be the worst mission. So if it was far out, I wanted to be there. Uh, if we're going into a building, I wanted to be in that building, you know, uh, yeah. different things because that – uh, time if it's an arterial bleed, you know that time that you have to react is very very short. Right. So it doesn't make sense for me to be in a truck. I need to be in the stack going into the room. So if mm -hmm. something happens, I'm right there. You know. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's the way I did it, and that's the way uh, my group did it. They're a good good group of guys, mm -hmm. and it was it was a little bit different than um, a lot of people do it. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But we uh, we took this. We took some fire one time. You know, we had uh, uh, several casualties, and I was working on one, and from the story, I, was, I wasn't told this for a while, uh, an Iraqi came up behind me, yeah, and he pulled the trigger, right? And he was maybe 25 feet from me or whatever. Yeah. Um, it clicked. Yeah. You know, and, and so it either he was, was out of ammo or, or was out of ammo. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh my and, um, God. <laughs> then one of the other are guys. You, are you, is, is there something to signal that you're a medic, like uh, something that you're wearing or, no, or not? No. no. Okay. So he, the, the Iraqi soldier is like, that's the enemy. Yeah. Yeah. So we all, we Holy all look the same. Jeez. Okay. And yeah. so, um, Hiram Abraham was his name, came through, saw it, you know, whatever the right word is. This but, is your, your 
your well, fellow soldier, right, uh, right. an American. He okay. Yeah. Go ahead. And then he carried on doing what he was doing. And then uh, so I had no idea. Well, what this, happened this to that? Did right? that soldier run? Did the Iraqi soldier just kind of run off after his weapon failed? Or no, no, he stood there. I guess he's probably trying to unjam it or yeah. reload it or whatever, but he didn't have enough time. And um, yeah, so Abraham came through and, and yeah. did his thing, and you know took that threat away. And then um, okay, so you, yeah. that that guy was was yeah. killed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he was done. Wow, you, you then, talk uh, about it so casually, Adam. I mean, uh, not casually, but but matter of factly, and I'm sure yeah. that's the way you had to treat it. And but but uh, I mean, you must have taken at least a moment to to appreciate how lucky you were that that had happened. No? I didn't even know about it for about a month. A right? month that, that it happened, oh and then okay. and then we were sitting around one one night, and we were just chatting. You know, yeah. there's a lot of downtime, a lot of waiting, and uh, you know, we're out in this little uh, sand pit out somewhere near uh, this this little village out there, and we're just it's all dark, and we're just sitting yeah. all huddled up and talking back and forth. And I said something, and uh, one of the guys said, "Oh, it's because Abraham saved your life." But you're happy about that. I was you, like, what are you talking about? Uh-huh. You, know? yeah, and you then, had uh, no idea. Wow. Then I found out and I looked over at him. I was like, hey, high five, brother. Thanks. You oh. Know? <laughs> oh, my God. You really are wired that way. I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, yeah, the guy saved your life. Um, and was he, what was the expression on his face? Like, hey, no big deal. Yeah, got you, yeah, got your back. Like, yeah, yeah, no problem, Doc. I got you. You know? And then, uh, oh, my God. Wow. Then, uh, wow. So we had. Um, well, thank. I, let me thank you here, I'm Abraham, because I'm glad Adam is here with me yeah. today to share his story. And uh, go ahead, please continue. Yeah, but we had um, some instances like like that, and because I was always trying to get into those worst case situations, I often did get into those worst case situations. And um, mm-hmm. you know, we took pride in that, though. You yeah, know, it was like we were out there doing what we're here to do. You yeah. know, and. Um, our striker at the end of it was the only one um, out of all the other medic uh, platoons that were out there. Mm-hmm. Was the only one that had bullet holes all in it and uh, hand grenade shrapnel and really? and, like, yeah. uh, and we were all like, you know, we were proud. We pointed out to people, yeah, like, yeah, look at that, you know, look, yeah, look, we were there, you know, we did. We're the badasses, know? yeah. That's right. Jeez. That's right. Yeah. And yeah. so, um, yeah, after that first deployment, I mean, that a lot of that's from the second one, but after that first deployment. Um, came home my time was up and it was time to come home and then we had all the new soldiers coming in to go on the the following one mm-hmm. and uh uh i called my wife and i was like hey these guys are all talking about the medals they're gonna get and they're excited because they're gonna see like wild camels and no oh boy and uh nervous about the spiders and they're joking they're laughing they have no idea what they're getting into right. i think i want to go back Right. Oh no! <laughs> oh my God! And, uh, Are you still married? I am. Oh, okay, I, am. Uh, I want to meet this woman. She's a saint. Twenty years. Twenty years <laughs> next August. Yeah. And then, wow! Um, Congratulations. Um, okay, and she says, yeah, yeah, and she says, well, you know, we're good here. You know, now it's been a few years. You know, wow. so um, you know, do what you have to do. But after that, why don't you consider coming home? And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> You know, and then uh, I'll let you go to the Middle East for one more time, yeah, Adam. One but, more but, time, but after one that, one more time. And so, yeah. And so yeah. I went back, uh, did that, and then uh, came home. And one of the platoon sergeants I knew, uh, he was a good guy. Uh, they had a sapper team going over the like explosives and, and things going over. Let me stop you for one sec. So you were and you were a medic the entire t- the third tour. You went back. You well. So going into the third tour. Yeah. Um, uh, I was like, well, with the hearing, it got continually worse year oh, after year, yeah. right? And so um, uh, that first one, I was good. I had to sign a waiver. A second one, I was good. I had to sign a waiver. A third one, they're like, your right ear is almost gone. Tough. Yeah. Here, okay. Yeah. yeah. I said, yeah, yeah, no worries. You know, <laughs> I get the left one. You yeah. know, I get a spare one good right? one. Right. So, um, so you sign another waiver. Yeah, so uh, this guy was going over to Afghanistan and, uh, you know, with this small thing, and he's like, you know, we're going to try to get you in as doc because we need somebody with that experience. And I was like, love it. Let's go, <laughs> you know. And then right. uh, a big army came in, and they said, no, you can't deploy anymore. You really? Know? Yeah, and they said, uh, they said, that's too bad. And they're like, when you hear something, like, loud go off, what do you do? So I look left. And then I look at where everybody else is looking, and then I look where they're looking, and there it is. You yeah, know? Right, <laughs> like, right, right. Yeah, that's not good. You know, that's no, okay. that's no good. And uh, so uh, they started putting me through a medical discharge, and then um, one of the lieutenants, uh, which I didn't know at the time, one of the lieutenants I was 
worked with uh, overseas, his father was a general. And so his mm-hmm. general dad stepped in and said, we want to keep this guy, give him, you know, let's, let's give him a shot. Right. And so um, moved over to, uh, I get a call, Tripler was the hospital that I went through. Mm-hmm. And um, I went to Triple Hospital, sat down with the colonel. He's like, you seem to know some some good people. I was like, yeah, it turns out I didn't even know. Right. And then, uh, <laughs> yeah. and then uh, they said, uh, I said, look, I'm really, sir, I'm just really trying to get on this trip to Afghanistan, you know, and then do that. Then we can call it a day. You know, how, how's, yep. how's that sound? And uh, he said, no, you can't deploy anymore. He's like, you can, we can reclass you to be like supply, but only back home. We could, mm-hmm. I was like, ah, I'm going to wake up at 4.30 in the morning yeah. to go and do something I can do at home. You right, know, right, right. Of being away from my family. And so yeah. that was it. You know, that was that was kind of the decision. They gave me the choice to change jobs or, or go home. And said, so well, it was good. I did what I meant to do and, and then some. And so. your wife was happy for once. Yeah, yeah. She was, she was pretty <laughs> happy to be back yeah. there. Yeah. And then, um, you know, and then it took a few years to kind of reintegrate back home. Um, it's very different here and felt very different than when I left. And, you know, I think that's partly because, um, uh, just the regular changes that happened, you know, to the neighborhoods and, and different things. And then, mm-hmm. um, and my perspective was very, very different, you know, so home. meaning about everything, about life, about, uh, right. why we're here or things like that. R- right. So, right. So yeah. You, tell me about that. Yeah. You definitely, you definitely understand your mortality uh, a bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and you are. A lot of the stressors that I had um, before joining the military, before doing that, like, uh, oh, if I, am I going to be late for work? Oh, no. You know, like, <laughs> uh, like yeah, um, yeah. Uh, maybe there you make a mistake at the job or um, y- you're arguing about who does the dishes at home. Right. And, and those are stressors in your life. Well, I mean, all that went away. There's, the, there's no stress over that stuff right. anymore. You know, that that's gone. And mm-hmm. then... Um, I was very vigilant for quite a while when I came home because, you know, my mind was like, yeah, it seems good. You know, it seems. So seems even if you're can, like, you're sitting at a pizza place, you're keeping your eyes on all the corners of the room, right, things like that. Right. And okay. so you, you want to look around because you've seen, you know, you've seen the best in people. You've seen people risk their own lives to protect and do other, you know, uh, their, their teammates, you know, mm-hmm. as they go through, but you've also seen the worst, you know? Right. And so, that worst always strikes at the time when you don't expect it or you're comfortable or, mm-hmm. or something like that. So um, you learn to stay vigilant for a while. One, one of the examples are mm-hmm. uh, when you're overseas and an IED goes off and you're driving through it, you know, you want to hit the gas because that IED is most likely meant to stop you. Sorry, you're talking about an explosive device. A, right. a, a, okay. A, a bomb, a mine or. Right. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, so that IED goes off either at the front of the convoy or if it splits a group of vehicles or something and that the hope is, uh, that that will stop those vehicles and then there'll be an ambush coming on other sides. There'll be secondary devices around. Right. So the first thing you want to do is punch the gas, you know, get out of that immediate area and then go back and resolve whatever that was. Okay. Yep. Um, so I was going to Solomon Pond Mall with my wife. You know, and I hit a pothole and oh, I no. punched the gas. Did you, know? you really? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't even think of it. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, so I hit the gas and, Instant, you know, yeah. yeah, from, from you know, 35, whatever we're doing, up to 80. And yeah. she slaps me on the chest. She's like, what are you doing? Yeah. And I was like, go, right reaction, wrong circumstance. Wow. Yeah, you know, and, uh, and so that would happen a little bit, you know, um, oh, for, a, for a while until I started. You would have the best excuse for getting out of a speeding ticket. Right? I'll tell you that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, wow. yeah. but, you know, and then, uh, you know, after being home, I said it was two years. She says five, you know, um, yeah, right. things pretty much got back to where they were. You know? Okay. But, and you, I mean, you struggle, I mean, we hear so much about, uh, soldiers with PTSD and they struggle with depression. Was that part of your, your issues or well, not so much? You know, uh, it was nice because I came home to a family, you right. know, they were, they were still there and, and, um, unbelievably she stayed, you know, the entire time, mm-hmm. uh, about halfway through, I said, you know, you should probably just find somebody else. This isn't fair. You know, like yeah. I, I understand it's not fair. I'll keep sending my paychecks home, you know, yeah. but if you move on, you move on. It's, it's fine. You know, yeah, um, I yeah. get it. But, uh, she didn't, you know, she stayed and the kids were still there and, you know, the house was good and everything was good. Um, 
How do the kids? Do the kids ever talk to you about that? Like, did they? Do they say we're proud of you, Dad, or we're proud of you? But geez, we really missed you, or oh, anything yeah. like that. Yeah, both so, of those. <laughs> so um, my daughter, my oldest one, she's twenty now, mm-hmm. but she was fourteen when I came home, and that was boy, the guilt that a fourteen will lay on fourteen year old will lay on yeah. you. You know, yeah. In um, a typical family, a fourteen year old girl yeah. will give you a run for your right, money, right? Right. Exactly. So yeah. You know, and so every time she wanted something, she couldn't get it, or. Uh, she was angry about something that was like, you weren't there for oh, me. Boy. And she knew like, oh, that would just be like, uh, cuts, of course, yeah. any dad would cut you to the quick. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. I, I really, I don't regret, um, anything I did over those years, but I do regret not uh, losing all that time, you know, yeah. with the, with the kids. That's, yeah. that's a tough one. Yeah. But. So you, and I'm glad I'm giving you a chance to take a sip of coffee. You deserve it, man. This is quite, this is quite a tale. Um, so, Again, we're talking with Adam Costello, who heads up Easter Seals' efforts when it comes to veteran services. And so, are we up to the part of the story where you uh, you sign on with Easter Steel because of this? And it, it was a new opportunity, right? It was, yeah. So, uh, one of, one of the things that really hit home for me after being home for a couple of years, and I, I did what I think most people do when they come home from service. You're not really looking to be involved with veterans and or that's not your priority Your priorities. I want to get back to work. I want to get my life back to where it was and, mm-hmm. and carry on, live out and have a good life. Um, and then it was shortly after I started becoming interested in it. Uh, number one is once I went to um, some of the organizations when I came home and I found that uh, none of the services were really tailored towards people coming home, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, right. uh, you know, it's mostly if you come home and then you incur a hardship at some point later on, those services are there for you. But okay. there's nothing to try to prevent those or stop those from happening, right? Right. And um, and we've seen, you know, even in Massachusetts, the suicide rate since 2006 has, re- has nearly doubled. And I've lost 11 from the group I've deployed with, and that's in, over the course of seven years, right? So All, all suicides? All suicides, oh right. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Right? Uh, that's the belief, I'll, I'll say. You know, right, a, right. a couple of those are um, like drug, overdoses. Drug overdoses, yeah, yeah. Maybe unintentional. Right. Maybe intentional. So a couple of those are questionable. But you look at that, and, you know, the entire size of the unit that I deployed with, uh, both times it was about 600 personnel mm-hmm. right so that's about 1200 people and we lost 11 now 11 uh, 1200 people is smaller than almost every high school that you'll find out there now let's say you okay. you lost one high school 11 uh, over the past six or seven years to, to suicide it'd be crazy yeah yeah it would be crazy yeah. right everybody would be looking and saying what's going on why is that happening right. you know and that would be you know you know that would be a very uh strong focus of, sure. of that community um and I think there's some things that we're doing very wrong as we approach that. Is one, we wait until, you know, if you look at a lot of the programs out there, uh, no, there's no help until you have a significant and documented hardship, right? So, mm-hmm. um, and then if you get, let's say you become homeless, you go into a homeless shelter. Well, where do you build those skills to not have that recur again? You, you know, right. Like, um, those are some things, those are some very obvious things that are missing. Uh, and then, so that's one of the things that we're, we've, we've built and that we're trying to get on demand for next year. But the one I'm, I'm most proud of, I think so far is that, um, you know, that we're, we're really working on to push down a suicide rate is when I came home, I love social media, just like everybody else, mm-hmm. you know, Facebook, Instagram, mm-hmm. um, and I'm learning Instagram. I'm, I'm more with Facebook right now. Me too. Uh, yeah, Instagram, I don't quite, I mean, I get how it works, but I don't get these people that are on it all the time. Right. It, it's a weird way to communicate. But anyway, yeah. good, yeah. Um, but if you look at that, you know, everybody who's well-intentioned, the the common tagline out there for veteran suicide is 22 a day. And they'll say 22 a day, or 22 veterans a day commit, you know, or die by suicide, right? Wow, okay. Um, Hashtag 22 a day. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. And you yeah. see that everywhere. Yep. And as a as a veteran, I follow several organizations. And so I probably receive that message 10, 15 times every day as I scroll through my social media feed. Yeah. Now, if you look at that um, through an advertising lens, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if I said, uh, hey, Dave, uh, I like that 
microphone, but do you know that 22 podcasters a day purchase this microphone? Right. You know, and I right. tell that, or you see that from all these sources 10 or 15 times a day. Um, and then you see T-shirts going around. You see mm. events going on around it. Uh, you have mandatory, uh, while you're in the service, you have mandatory briefings that tell you that. You know, yeah. And you, you see Constantly that. Constantly reminded, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, it's no different than than advertising. I think it's done, again, it's done with the best intention, you know, trying to spread awareness. We're pretty aware. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think we know? get it, right? right. Yeah, yeah. Right, so, one of, the, so f- one of the first things that we did, uh, well, over this past year was um, – I had on my whiteboard, it just said live, right? I said, mm-hmm. that needs to be the, uh, that needs to be the message. Cause what's the, what's the outcome of not dying by suicide, you know, right. live, you know? And so I yeah. said, let's, let's start introducing that messaging instead and advertising, living your best life. And I'm throwing in the components to make that uh, achievable, you right. know? Um, and so that's really where we really got focused on the program and how it would work and, and what the real vision was. Mm-hmm. Um, so, to re- you know, some of the things that we were doing is these um, uh, seminar courses. So every two weeks when you get out of the military, uh, when you get out of the military, you get this thing called TAPS. It's this transition assistance program. Mm-hmm. While you're going through TAPS, uh, which teaches you how to build a resume, how to look for a job, things like that. Um, you're also collecting your medical records, you're moving your household goods, you're, you know, you're doing all these things that are required to get out of the, the service that you're in. Right. Plus you have, um, paperwork, yeah, yeah paperwork, yeah. your regular duties, you're still doing some of those you okay. know, and yeah. all these other things. Right. So, um, building a LinkedIn account is high on your list of things to pay attention to at that time. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. And a lot of these, you don't even know the value of it yet because you're not there yet. You know, yep. it'll be a couple of months before you're there. Um, so every two weeks, we're in a holiday break right now. We start back up uh, December 8th, uh, January 8th, sorry, um, is uh, personal budgeting, personal budgeting, uh, family budgeting for living paycheck to paycheck. So it's not like a um, uh, take your income for the month, take your expenses for the month, you're either good or you're not. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's not that. It's about uh, budgeting paycheck to paycheck, making that financial uh, financial outlook predictable. Right you now, right. um, because it's such a point of anxiety for people out there, you know. So these um, are right. These are programs, and I don't mean to cut you short. We're yeah. we're up against the clock a little bit here, okay. Adam, because I was so interested in all your other. <laughs> but yeah. but just to make sure we don't forget, if people go to Easter dot com, is that the best place to go for info and learn how to support your programs? Yeah. So if you go to, um, you can find it through uh, Easter Seals. If you just Google Easter Seals, Massachusetts, there you go. Um, it'll it'll come up where one of the programs listed on there, or if you go on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, and look at at Vets Count MA or Veterans Count Massachusetts. If you just look at Veterans Count, you'll go to one of the, there's, there are several around the country. Okay. Um, but if you go to Veterans Count Massachusetts, we'll pop up and you'll see the events uh, that are going on, the different free seminars that are happening, uh, the women's peer group, the employment services, and the different things that we're building. And uh, if you have served in the military, especially if you served recently, it's good for everybody. But if you served, if you served recently in the post nine eleven, uh, since Gulf War One, there's definitely things that we offer uh, that you should at least take a look at and consider. Right, and so it's your job to not only administer these programs but also spread the word about about so right. soldiers know, you know. Um, well, good on you, man. Terrific. And what? And so, in terms of people that are just sort of interested in your story. I mean, what helps? Do you need volunteers? I take it donations to Easter Seals. Can you donate to Easter Seals and earmark it for the veteran services? Or? Yeah, donate, donations can be earmarked for veteran services. If you're going to make a donation, make it to uh, Veterans Count Massachusetts Care of Easter Seals. Um, mm-hmm. You can contact me at uh, 508-751-6312 or um, acostello at eastersealsma.org or so- on the Facebook site. So we'll put all that information in the show notes and we'll put the, we'll have the, and if you're consuming this podcast on the Adori app, you'll see it right on your screen, but check the show notes for all that info. So in case you didn't get it all, um, before you go, I do want to look at you jumping out of a plane. So this, this was, this was on, uh, for an, an event, uh, on the subject of what you're talking about, suicide prevention, right? Yeah. All right. So 
It's called, oh, this is uh, out in Orange, out in Western Mass, I take it. All right, let's listen. What is going on? Not too much. You out here skydiving? Yes. For the 22 kill event, right? Absolutely. So how'd you hear about this? I saw it on Facebook. I was just scrolling through it one day, and uh, there it was, and I said, oh my my God, really? Awesome, man. So you said you were in the Army before, right? Yep. I was a medic, uh, 127 infantry. Awesome. How long did you serve for? Seven years. Well, thank you for your service. Thank you. So uh, just in a few minutes, when this plane lands, me, you, and uh, Zach are going to get in it, take it all the way up to 13,500 feet, and then jump out. Nice. You ready? I am. All right, buddy. Let's do this. <laughs> you, you do not look scared. We'll stay with it for a minute here, and we're looking at footage of Adam getting on the plane with... Is that uh, just a fellow serviceman, or...? No, that's that's the... Uh, the guy who runs the thing? Right. <laughs> okay. Right. And, the, uh, you know, and that's, that's one of my big problems that I have. I've identified it. I know it's there, is that I am never worried about something until... <laughs> About 10 seconds right before, and then I say, oh, maybe this is a bad idea. So you were a little worried there. Oh, just on the ramp. I was starting to get like a... Yep. Okay, now we're looking at footage of Adam with the goggles on. You're on the precipice, about to jump. Is there any free fall, or does the... Oh, well, we're going to see it right here. Out he goes. And yeah, you go. We got some free fall here before you pull the chute, and I think you just pulled the chute. That stabilizes you. Oh, okay. So, uh, So there's like a... Some sort of like mini, mini um, parachute that's... uh, and you, this is a tandem, so the, there's a dude there who's hugging you. So if yep. you die, you die with him. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so what was it? What, what did that feel like? Oh, it's cool. It's yeah. cool. So that's not that's not my first time. I've done it a couple oh, okay. times before. Yep. Um, and I, you know, my favorite part of that is that moment of fear, where mm-hmm. you have that choice to make. You know, right. am I gonna go forward or am I gonna try to go backwards? Yeah. Um, and you always go forward, right? So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I can only imagine. Well, I wish we had more time, Adam. We'll have to have you come back sometime on the Boston Podcast. I hope you enjoyed yourself. Absolutely. No, this was great. Make sure to go to EasterSeals.com for, or Google Easter Seals Massachusetts, and you'll find all the, look for Adam Costello's name, look for the all the veteran services, and find out how to uh, support them. Good on you, man. It's such a great, thank you for sharing that story. Oh, absolutely. It was a great way for me to, to start the day. I feel a little blessed myself. <laughs> just, just that, I mean, what uh, what you've survived, and it's and it's tremendous. Please know I appreciate it, and I'm sure all of our listeners do too. Thank you for listening to the Boston Podcast. Please share this podcast with a friend if you like it. If you want your own podcast, go to pod617.com. All the infos there. Get in touch with us. You could be the next big podcast star right here in our Westwood studios. On behalf of proud veteran Adam Costello and Easter Seals, my name is Dave. I'm just a guy from Boston, but if you're not from Boston. You must be the other guy. Enjoy it, everybody. You must be the other guy. I said, I'm